Hey gang, welcome to The Real Housewives of Riverdale, the podcast where grown-ass adults take sexy teen murder mysteries just as seriously as you do. I'm your host, Cherie, and today I'm joining you all hyped up on antihistamines because pollen is the devil. (laughs) Um, I typed up my notes for this while I was running fever, so apologies now if some of the stuff we talk about didn't actually happen in the episode, but in a fever dream that I had instead. A lot of the stuff is very fever dreamy, so it's possible. But I've also watched this episode like a cool six times, so I think I'm I'm pretty clear on the deets. All right, so this episode of the podcast we are discussing season one, episode five, chapter five, Heart of Darkness, which basically is it really is just one long fever dream. So Heart of Darkness is a 1899 novel that I had to read for AP English my senior year of high school and there were no amount of spark notes, cliffs notes, movie or TV adaptations that could get me interested in that book. So I don't remember a ton of details but what I do remember is that it's like about a boat that travels through the Congo River with a psychotic captain and a bunch of racist xenophobic crap about Native Africans. (laughs) It's it sucked. I mean, I'm sure like it's a classic and it holds a lot of value to most people, but I could not fucking get through that book. It's where we get the phrase, the horror, the horror. Also, Apocalypse Now is based on it, and I'm pretty sure that's the only way our teacher got the boys in our class to read this book, but um, didn't do much for me. <laughs> so um, if that's like your favorite book, I'm really sorry, but not mine. So speaking of the horror... This episode starts off with Jughead telling us how scary the Blossom House is, Thornhill, even though, like, four days ago, they had an after-back-to-school dance party there. Fine. Sure. I mean, they just had a kegger there. Whatever. (laughs) But nobody wants to go there. It even has its own graveyard, which is perfect for Halloween keggers. Just a suggestion, Cheryl. Cheryl comes downstairs holding a candelabra in the most amazing red dress into the house's foyer where there's a casket and 8,000 lit candles. There's so many candles. Definitely a fire hazard. Wink, wink. I wonder if she bought those off Ezra after his proposal because there are seriously a shit ton of candles in this room. And her mascara is running, but I don't think it's because she's crying. It's because it's melting from the heat of these fucking candles. It's gotta be like a 10,000 degrees in there. You definitely don't want to keep a corpse in a room that's that hot. Just saying. Anyway, she lifts the lid to the casket and it's empty, save for some bloody scratch marks that'll forever haunt my subconscious. That was so creepy. Uh, Zombie Jason is standing behind her and grabs her shoulder, causing her to wake up from her nightmare in Jason's room. It was so creepy. I love it. And Penelope is just like chilling in the doorway for some reason and says, I told you that you can't sleep in here anymore. So all the twin cest theories, just here they are, guys. Cheryl explains that she was working on her eulogy for Jason's memorial. That's going to be the event this episode. There's always an event. And she wanted to feel close to him. And Penelope tells her that she won't be speaking at the memorial because she's a terrible mother and someone needs to call CPS on her ass. I don't think it's here that she tells Cheryl that she can't do the River Vixens anymore, but I have that in my notes, but I don't think that's right. Again, fever dream. All right, at the Andrews house, Archie has a boxing bag hanging in his room like, you know, most kids. (laughs) It is throwing punches in the middle of the night. 
Oh, high school. <laughs> Fred comes in and is like, can you keep it the fuck down? It's the middle of the night. I'm trying to sleep. And Archie explains that he's going out for football captain because captains get scholarships. So I guess he's just going to keep throwing punches in the middle of the night. Like, how is Alice Cooper not calling the cops on this? That shit is loud. Um, the next morning in the blue and gold office, Kevin helps Betty and Jack had arrange their murder board to look like the one that was stolen from his dad's office. There are no leads on that, by the way. No fingerprints. Uh, Trev walks in to make sure Betty is still on for their date, to which Kevin seems perplexed because of how short a leash Alice keeps on her, and Jughead just looks salty as hell. Where is he living now? Do we know? Can I get an update? Can I adopt him? I'm not sure I can afford his cheeseburger and coffee bill, but I can give him a better home than the back of a, a drive-in or wherever he's living now. Um, Betty says that it's not a date date, but a really, an, it's really an intelligence gathering mission. Poor Trev. And nobody wants to be used for intelligence. Just be straight up with him if you don't want to go on a date with him. At football practice, Reggie, like, straight up kicks Archie's ass. And Coach Clayton, in line with all of his good decisions, pins Re Reggie against Archie in the quote-unquote horse race for captain. Oh, the adults in this town, I swear to God. At Pops, Fred picks up his order from Hermione and never pays for his food. That's one thing from TV shows that I hate. Like, nobody ever pays for anything. They just order and take and walk away. And it's like, bitch, you gotta pay for that. He asks Hermione out, but she's like, um, we're married to other people. And Fred's confused because they just went on a date to the drive-in. And you know what? I'm confused too. Mixed signals much, Hermione. Come on. The next scene, the gang goes to hang out on the bleachers that I'm pretty sure we'll never see again where Archie is memorizing plays and Veronica wants all the deets on Betty's upcoming date with Trev. Kevin tries to explain that it's not a romantic date, Betty is just meeting with one of her sources and Veronica says, why is everyone weird here? <laughs> Understatement of the century, Veronica. <laughs> you yourself are not all that normal. Um, she asks Archie how life is going in a PG world. PG? post granny, Get it? <laughs> I laughed pretty hard, even though the kids act like she's a weirdo for saying that, but I think it's really funny. Good one. Archie's just trying to get his life back on track, and apparently Val, who is hashtag goals, style goals, hair goals, friend goals, everything, um, she can help with that. She's so fucking cool. KJ's accent comes out a little bit when he says, thank you, Val. <laughs> so darling. Um, exit Val and enter Cheryl and she says sorry to interrupt sad breakfast club but I'm here to invite you all to Jason's memorial service weekend memorial service this weekend because that's a real thing or to even find invitations to a funeral she tells Veronica to her own chagrin that her mother invited the lodges and if you're tempted to steal our silver candlesticks don't Oh, Cheryl, I felt so bad for you, not even five minutes ago, and then you had to go and be awful again. Betty tells Veronica to remember that Cheryl is burying her brother, so in the next scene, Veronica tries to call a truce and be friends, or at least frenemies, which I'm pretty sure is what you already are, but fine. They just wanted to use that word to appeal to the teens, I guess. Um, Cheryl invites Veronica over to a sleepover she's having, 
the night before the memorial because apparently the Blossoms are the freaking Adams family. That is so not okay. Archie is in the locker room thinking about music and then he calls the guy Val told him about. So that seems whatever. Then we get Riverdale title card. Um, after we come back from commercial, Archie meets with the adjunct professor, uh, music professor, who is a total douche nozzle. He gives Archie straight up shit for having his songs on a flash drive instead of sheet music, which, I mean, it is 2017, I think, in this town. Like, flash drive is almost antiquated. At Thornhill, the Blossoms give Sheriff Keller a tour of the memorial, including a gigantic fucking picture of Jason wearing a blazer that should look super familiar to you if you're caught up with season two. Just saying. Wink, wink. Um, they discuss how everyone on the Blossoms' own list of suspects will be attending, to which Cheryl hears that there's some well-deserved shade back at Penelope. Well done. Uh, Betty and Trav are on their milkshake date, which I never had a milkshake date. I want one. Honey, I know you're not listening to this because you don't care about Riverdale, but I want to go on a milkshake date. That's super cute. Um, Trev tells her how Jason started acting all weird and secretive a few months before he died. He thought it was about Polly, but then he heard that Jason was dealing drugs, and then he stopped talking to Trev altogether. So the mystery deepens in Archie's room rather than the the soundproof garage that Fred made for him Val is helping Archie write out his songs serious flirtation vibes I'm loving it I love Val uh, Fred gets starstruck when he walks in and then I love Fred because he's so cute and goofy <laughs> it's a, such a far stretch from the Luke Perry that we know from everything else. And I, I am here for dad, Luke Perry. We go from one good tad to the awful one next door who's working on an old car because that was set up last episode. It's not going to come back for a good while. So I hope you're not super into it, but they did set it up. So here we are. Betty asks about Polly and Hal tells her that Jason and Polly had a big fight and Polly tried to kill herself. And that's why they sent her away to stop her from taking her own life again, which maybe, um, I don't know, try being there for her, you know, instead of, uh, <laughs> but perhaps if you were a better family to her and not send her away and ostracize her from her family and community, she might not be trying to hurt herself if that's why she's really there. So, the next day in the student lounge, apparently Betty has just relayed all of the information to Jughead, who, again, we don't know where he's living, to which he responds with, Betty, I'm sorry. That's hardcore. They spend the rest of the scene trying to figure out why a rich kid would sell drugs to run away, and Jughead says, ultimately, the only person they can get a straight answer out of is Jason, and Betty is my favorite when she asks, are you proposing a seance? <laughs> but my joy was short-lived because then Jughead says, dead men tell no tales, and I threw up in my mouth. I am so over Pirates of the Caribbean. Why can't that franchise die? Why? It was, like, the first one's good, and then it just keeps getting worse. <sighs> well, they can't. They can't talk to him in person, but they can snoop around his room 
when they're at the memorial this weekend. So that should give them some answers. So I guess we're having this whole memorial just for a reason to put Betty and Jughead in the Blossom House. I don't know. At football practice, Reggie slams Archie, hurting his hand really bad. And Reggie tries to be cool about it. And he tells him to sit out with a hurt hand. But Archie is all but hurt and full of testosterone, so he refuses. And this does give us an opportunity for hashtag Varchie. <laughs> because later, Veronica wraps his hand for him. And he's telling her about Val... And she wraps his hand a little bit tighter. And he's like, Ronnie, are you jealous? And she says, no. She's had her seven minutes in heaven with Archie Andrews, though. So she's not jealous of him spending all night with Val. Not at all. Oh, dear. We get more Professor Asshole refusing to help Archie with his music. Blah. I hate that guy. And I'm not even, like, the biggest Archie fan. And I'm still, like fuck you, you need to be nice to my boy. At the sleepover from hell, Veronica is a perfectly nice house guest, and Penelope is a bitch to her. We get our first glimpse of Nana Rose. She scares the shit out of me, so <laughs> she's the creepiest old lady. She scares me more than Principal Lizard Man, and that's saying something. We learn that Riverdale was founded on the maple syrup industry. Again, not a thing that I knew was like a real thing. I mean, I know that maple syrup's out there, but I didn't know it was <laughs> that it was an industry that would fund an entire town. Fine. Um, oh, and then then we learned that Penelope blames Cheryl for Jason's death. So that's nice. Fun family times. Hermione is almost attacked by a rattlesnake and pops. That's creepy. Um, Betty wakes up to the sound of creepy laughing and thinks it's Polly, even though it's clearly a child and Polly would be older than her, but fine. But it's just Hal watching old family videos and drinking serious scotch. So that's weird. Cheryl and Veronica are flipping through photo albums of Jason in their silky PJs and full makeup and jewelry. For any of you boys wondering if this is really what a sleepover looks like, I don't want to ruin it for you, but it's quite the opposite. It's comfy sweats and face masks and hairs all nuts and you're giving each other makeovers and not well. That's that's what it looks like. Oh, and talking shit about everybody at school, probably including you. But anyway, um, Cheryl says that she invited Veronica tonight because... She helped her with her panic attack after the pep rally, not Tina or Ginger. She just wants everyone in town to know that she's sorry and that Jason deserved a better family than what he got. Clearly. I mean, I don't know anything about Jason and what he deserved, but his family fucking sucks. I know that much from the dinner that we saw. Veronica says that she'll help Cheryl give the eulogy that she and that she needs closure and let Clifford and Penelope Blossom do their worst. And Cheryl says, oh... They will. They'll murder me. <laughs> no. Can I adopt Cheryl too? We can get bunk beds for her and Jughead. It'll be super fun. Just witty attacks against each other. And I'll just sit there with a bowl of popcorn and watch. Apparently, Hermione has called Fred to take care of the rattlesnake. And she tells him that it was a message to her from the serpents because Hiram owes them money. 
she doesn't want to get Fred involved anymore than he already is. So, of course, he's going to get super involved and look away from the camera like, this fucking town. Oh, Luke Perry, I love you. Betty is getting ready for the memorial in the same black sweater that she wore to break into the school when Jughead walks into her room wearing a suit. And I want to know where he got it from. Because, again, he's still homeless. <laughs> where does he come up with a suit? Surely he didn't have that stuffed into his backpack that we saw him carrying out of the drive-in. I mean, it'd be all wrinkled and stuff, right? I don't know. But then they exchange cutesy glances, and it's so adorable. Oh, Young kids. Hermione offers... Okay, so we're at the memorial service now. And Hermione offers her condolences to Penelope, who continues on her bitch crusade. Uh, but she gets real humble real quick, though, when Archie does what Coach Clayton should have done in the first place when he learned about Jason's death and gives Penelope Jason's jersey. She gets real creepy and touches his face and hair. <laughs> the scene is bonkers. He goes to sit down next to Val and Kevin, a.k.a. the best seat in the house, between the coolest girl and the funniest boy. Ugh, that would be the best place. Especially to sit through a funeral with. Uh, Betty tells him that that was really nice. And Archie says it was the right thing to do. And Betty notices her dad at the bar where it took closed captioning for me to know this, but Clifford is telling him to take it easy because it would be very unseemly to get a DUI on your way home. Wouldn't you think? Then a very scary version of Tears for Fears shout starts playing as Cheryl comes walking through the center aisle. It's, and I say it creepy like that because that's that's how it is. Like, you know, in the, the real song, it's like, shout, shout, let it all out. And this one, it's shout, shout, let it all out. It, I love it. It is so creepy and wonderful and delicious. But anyway, Cheryl comes walking through the center aisle wearing the same white dress from the day at the river from the 4th of July. Oh my god. And Kevin says what we're all thinking with, yes, because we all know this is going to be some amazing drama. Despite her parents, she takes the podium and gestures for everyone to take their seats and gives a few words about Jason. Penelope starts to protest, but Veronica... A high school sophomore tells her she's only going to make things worse. So she doesn't. Because Penelope now takes orders from 15-year-olds. Cut to commercial. After commercial, Cheryl comments on why she's wearing that outfit. It's what she was wearing the last time she saw Jason. And when she puts it on, it feels like he's in the room with her. And like, dude, he is. Right behind you in a pine box. Just saying. <laughs> Jason was a really good brother and... He tried to hide her from the fact that nobody liked her because she's a super bitch and um, and when she wanted her own birthday parties and he knew that nobody was going to come to it because she's awful to everybody he suggested that they combine their birthday parties because obviously they're fucking twins they should have the same birthday party just so she would think that she had friends and that was really sad she feels really guilty and throws herself on the casket <laughs> And everybody's like, ugh. Veronica retrieves her instead of her parents. So that's nice. Penelope comes up to the podium and says, Now is a good time to adjourn to the winter salon for a light supper. 
what? Because, like, uh, ham and cheese sliders in the basement of the church isn't good enough for you guys? Whatever. Fine. Fred offers Hermione the job that he said she was too criminally involved with to hire her in the pilot, but fine. Then she hugs him, you know, continuing her crusade as Captain Mixed Signals. (sighs) Poor Fred. He just deserves love like everyone else. Betty and Jughead sneak upstairs to Jason's room, where it's as cold as the icy chill of the dead. Hot, right? (laughs) Before they can do too much snooping, though, Nana Rose scares the living shit out of everybody. (laughs) Jughead hides behind Betty and says, The horror, the horror, so that we can tie the plot somehow into the name of the episode. That's, That's why. Nana Rose wants to see Betty up close because she thinks it's Polly. So we know that Polly apparently looks just like Betty. Um, Apparently, Nana Rose gave Polly an engagement ring that's been in the Blossom family for generations. But don't tell Penelope about it because she'll likely come up and snip it off your finger. (laughs) Oh, God. Whoever this lady is, she is amazing. She deserves all the awards for, for her Nana Blossom role. The Polly Jason wedding was the last thing that Nana was living for. <laughs> Betty Hat is like way too freaked out and has to go. So she she just peels out and Jughead just scampers by Nana. <laughs> just just before she can grab him by the soul. Penelope drags Cheryl into into her bedroom and does some light child abuse. Well, that's fun. Oh, this is when she takes the river vixens away from Cheryl. So and then she tells she tells her own daughter, if it weren't for the fact that nobody would have you, I'd ship you off to a boarding school tonight. And, like, isn't that what boarding schools are for? Like, I'm honestly surprised she hasn't shipped Cheryl off before now. But, anyway, Veronica sees all of that go down. So she sees even more of what Cheryl lives through, and it's, it's terrible. It's a terrible thing to witness and a terrible thing to go through, and I'm so sad for Cheryl, even if she is an uber bitch to everybody. Archie and Val are at Pops where he's throwing a one-man pity party and she just tells him to get the fuck over himself. Thank you, Val. Thank you for that scene. It was almost pointless, but thank you for telling him to get over himself. At the Cooper house, Betty and Hal have a confrontation about Polly's engagement. Hal tells her that Cheryl's great-grandfather murdered Betty's great-grandfather because of greed and hate. So that's why the Coopers hate the Blossoms so much. Now we now we get it, or at least a little piece of it. Um, she demands to know where Polly is, and Hal screams, She's sick! And she's not coming home until she isn't sick anymore! Fair warning, stay out of it. So Betty will do anything but stay out of it. She doesn't know the words, stay out of it. Everything is her business, if you ask her. Hermione tells Veronica that the Lodges also have beef with the Blossoms. Is there a single fucking family in this town that gets with, along with another family? I mean, they all seem to have some sort of deep-seated hatred of each other. What are their 4th of July cookouts look like? I mean, you know, besides, like, all the running away and faking your death kind of stuff. <laughs> Sleeping with your teacher on the riverbanks and canceling on going on a road trip with your best bud. Like... What are their block parties like? <laughs> it's just everybody throwing punches. Oh, anyway. 
Ultimately, though, Veronica is thankful because her mother isn't as toxic as Cheryl's. That's a low bar. But this should be a really sweet moment of mother-daughter bonding. But Hermione decides to use it as an opportunity to lay some very heavy drama on her young daughter. It's rough. In Coach Clayton's office, the coach fakes Reggie out and then offers the captain position to Archie because he did the right thing by giving Jason's jersey to Penelope, and that's something that a captain would do. But Archie refuses the jersey because even though Reggie deserves it more, what with his one-way train of thought and all, Archie is just too complex to be the captain of a football team. <laughs> like, <laughs> what a fucking humble brag that he does. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't be the thing that I was trying so hard to be 10 minutes ago because I'm too cool and too interested in other things. I still want to play football, but I just want to tell you right now that you aren't my top priority. Anyway, Archie is (laughs) next. He's in the music room and he's being all complex and playing his guitar when Val comes in and they just give each other bedroom eyes for like 10 seconds. I want to know how that scene ends. Like, who leaves first? Do they just, like, eye fuck? And she's like, okay, well, peace out. Catch you in chemistry. Boop. Deuces. <laughs> you can't just stand there staring at each other lovingly for, like, that long without it getting super awkward. I don't know. Anyway, Jughead mirrors his narration from the top of the episode about Thornhill. The fog machines work over time in the cemetery like you can actually see it blowing through it doesn't just create a haze like there's like rolling fog going through this at home DIY cemetery super weird but Cheryl imagines Jason's friendly ghost so he's no longer a scary zombie Jason from the top of the episode but he's nice friendly Casper the friendly ghost Jason standing behind Penelope and that's that's nice that she's she's made peace, I guess. In the blue and gold office, Jughead puzzles that maybe Betty's parents might be lying about more than just the nature of Polly and Jason's relationship. Hmm. So we quickly find out that just as they are starting to realize that Hal probably took the files from Sheriff's Keller office, he in fact did. He's just casually going through them in broad daylight without whoops. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. When will these fictional characters remember to always wear gloves and breaking the law? God! Anyway, they pin the Cooper's name to the murder board, and Jughead says, we need to talk to Polly. So, guess what we're doing next episode? And then we get Riverdale title card. That That was a pretty short one this week. Not a lot happened. It was all just like spooky imagery. Um, For the most Archie moment, I'm not sure, but I think I'm going to go with Veronica keeping her pearls on with her jammies at the sleepover. It seems to be the most true to character moment. I Maybe the milkshake date between Betty and Trev, but I'm, I'm not sure. The, we're really peeling away from, from the comics here, from that... Um, Aw shucks, all-American vibe from the comics. (laughs) For the best blossom burn, so I know you want it to be Sad Breakfast Club, and we're going to say that, but there's also a really good one. At the god-awful dinner that night of the sleepover, 
Somebody says that there are worse things than death, and Cheryl's mutter, mutters under her breath, yeah, like this dinner. And Penelope's like, what did you say? <laughs> that, was, that was an awesome, sullen teenager line. Love it. Um, but then, of course, Sad Breakfast Club, forever a classic. Very nice. For my good this week, I loved the Archie after death vibe of this episode. Very creepy and gruesome, which I guess, like, okay, this episode definitely ties to the Archie after, do- Archie after death. Why can I not say that? Um, series of the comics, but just not the, the classic ones that we, we know from, like, the 60s, 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever. It's very creepy and gruesome. Just what I love in my teen shows. And, and like, no, really, that is quite the intersection of my interests love a good true crime love a good murder story and I also love some high school drama it's it's my favorite my eye is like burning out of my face it hurts so bad I hate having allergies um my bad I could have done without the press professor asshole c plot of this episode it did nothing for Archie's character in my opinion like it it gave us an Archie plot and that's it and I feel like we could have done more with the the football thing um, funny <laughs> when Nana Rose scared the ever loving shit out of Betty and Jughead, and instead of protecting her like <laughs> like you would expect a boy to do due to cisgender roles, he jumps behind her because she is ultimately much more of a badass. Like, you know, we've seen Dark Betty, you know, take some shit on, and Jughead at, up to this point will only write out and give like witty insults. So. That was really funny to me. For changes, I would have taken out, the, again, I would have taken out the professor asshole character and found a different way for Val to help Archie with his musical ambitions. Like, I get that they were trying to show that everyone gets rejected, even golden boy Archie Andrews, but it did no favors to his character. For theories, so obviously I've seen the entire first season at least six times, I might add. So, I won't give any spoilers here, but your spidey senses should definitely be tingling by now as far as who the who the murderer is. Um, that's all I'm going to say. For Sabrina news, this week we learned that, well actually last week, I'm late recording this, but last week we learned that the official name for the series will be The Chilling Tales of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, just like the most recent adaptation of the comic, so that's cool. The pilot episode will be titled Path of Night. And, oh, and they have also officially casted the role of Rosalind, who is Sabrina's best friend, to Jazz and Claire. Her credits include a Netflix show, Easy, and The Vampire Diaries. I've never seen either of those. Yes, I know, I have never seen Vampire Diaries. I'm the worst, but maybe someday. Just not right now. It even in my like most twilight fan days which is a dark time in my life that I don't like to talk about but um it helped me get through some depression so whatever it it just never appealed to me um it was I don't know the boys are very pretty but I don't know maybe maybe the plot's better than what I assumed it was Hopefully we'll get more casting news as filming is supposed to start in February. And as I record this, it is February 6th. So we'll see. For Skeet's Dadgram Corner, <laughs> um, a couple weeks ago, Cole Sprouse posted a, a picture he took when he and Lily Reinhardt were on vacation in Hawaii during the holiday season. 
and there are these beautiful green mountains like straight out of Moana but in the foreground there is a pickup truck with some dude sitting in the back just like mean mugging the camera and Skeet's comment was he looks very happy that you captured this moment with three exclamation points oh Skeet always enthusiastically stating the obvious god love ya all right, pals and gals, I think that's it for today. Um, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. If you want to create a dialogue about any of the episodes that have aired for Riverdale, you can reach me at Cherie B, and that's C-H-E-R-I-E-E-B-E-E on Twitter, or Cherie04, and again, that's C-H-E-R-I-E-E-04 on Instagram. Or you can email me at realhousewivesofriverdale at gmail.com. If my name's like too difficult for you to search on Twitter or Instagram, you can just email me your, your handle. I'll follow you. You can follow me back. It's, it's fine. Um, but rest assured that I will always follow you back if you follow me if you're a podcast listener. Because the whole point of this thing that I'm doing, this talking during my lunch break to myself about this dumb show is because I want to talk to other people about it. It's fun and I really like it and I like throwing around theories and gushing about some of the ship stuff, not all of it, but some of it and um, talking about how spooky it can be or how lame part of it was, but definitely don't hesitate to reach out to me. And again, that, that email address is realhousewivesofriverdale at gmail.com. Also, don't hesitate to call me out on if you think I missed something in the recaps or if you think maybe you curated a better blossom burn or skeet comment or any of it. Um, just go right ahead. Let's talk about it. I hope you'll tune in next week when we discuss Chapter 6, Faster Pussycats. Kill, kill. See you then. Bye, guys.